This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Side Hustlers podcast. I'm your host from iHeartRadio, Carla Marie. So excited. I'm coming up on my 100th episode, which is wild to me, which means by the time that hits, I will have talked to 100 people who have followed a passion outside of their day job. There are side hustlers everywhere. They really are. Start asking your coworkers what their side hustle is. I guarantee you they've got one. And I'm celebrating that 100th episode by doing a live episode of Side Hustlers, February 22nd, 2020 at 4 p.m. It's going to be in the basement of Stumptown Coffee in Seattle. I've got the information on my Instagram. It's at the Carla Marie. And my guest will be Laura Burkhart. Laura Burkhart is local to Seattle. She is an artist, a woodworker. She's had an incredible incredible crazy story of how this was a side hustle and now it's her day job and how she does it from home and she just had a baby and there's just a lot that goes into what Laura has created and her story so I'm excited to finally share it with everyone so we'll be doing that February 22nd 4 p.m. the basement of Stumptown Coffee right after the full moon market so I suggest getting there a little early so you can check out the market. This week's side hustler is Roxy. Roxy's day job is homeschooling her kids, which 
I can't even imagine doing. And her side hustle is hand making purses. Her company is called Lana Ray Handmade. And Roxy actually hand makes leather backpacks, purses, clutches from her house. It's pretty wild how she does all of this. You can follow along. It's lanarayhandmade.com, L-A-N-A-R-A-E, handmade.com. And the link is actually right in the description of this podcast to make it a little easier for you. This is Roxy's story. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get up your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Come on, ask about me. Yo, yo, it's the Side Hustlers Podcast with Carla Marie. Okay, so joining from Southern California, right? Today is yeah. Roxy, where it's probably much sunnier than it is in Seattle. So hello, Roxy. Hello, Carla Marie. <laughs> okay, so I'm really excited to talk to you because I am obsessed with your work. Like your Instagram is so pretty and the handbags that you make are gorgeous. So I'm excited to learn how you got into all of this and and what made you want to do it. But first, let's tell people how to go find it. It's Lana Ray Handmade on Instagram and LanaRayHandmade.com. Now, Lana Ray is L-A-N-A-R-A-E. So you make leather handbags, love them, but your day job, which I want to talk about, is homeschooling your kids. Yeah. What <laughs> yeah. is that? Like, how does that even come about? Well, I went to school to be a teacher. I was a kindergarten teacher. Never thought that I would homeschool. Wow. But I was laid off from teaching after the first year and started substituting. So when I substituted, I kind of saw just like a wide range of teachers and classrooms and thought to myself, I could probably do this better myself. <laughs> that sounds terrible. No, it's but not. Like, who cares about your kids more than you do? You right. know? And I'm a teacher and I wanted to spend a lot of time with them too. And so it kind of just got into my head. And when my daughter hit kindergarten, I thought, I can do this. And we, we went from there with it. So how long has it been that you've been homeschooling? My daughter's in fourth grade now. Oh, so my God. Been, this is our fifth year. Yeah. And then my son, I have a five-year-old and he just started kindergarten too. So so how, okay. Now I know this is not really what we're here to talk about side hustle wise, <laughs> but I just have so many questions. How do you teach the both of them at the same time? That's tricky this year because this is our first year really doing it. I mean, I did like preschool stuff with him, but luckily my daughter is super independent. So at the beginning of the year, it's really important for us to like get a schedule going where she knows what she has to do every day. And I'm there for her to answer questions and whatever. And then I correct her work, but she's super independent with like what she has to do every day. And then he is not so much yet. So we're working on that. And (laughs) so I'm always there with him and he takes a lot of attention and she takes, you know, minutes here and there, but definitely a juggling act. (laughs) Yeah. So you're homeschooling both of them and then you have a 20 month old at the same time. So where is that kid when all this is happening? He's just chaos. He's like (laughs) always (laughs) climbing things and getting into things. And I mean, it's, it's a workout because I'm like running here and there. I'm just I try to always find ways to entertain him like I'll take out a big bucket of toys and that'll last for an hour and I put that away and I have another one and trying to just kind of keep up with them he eats a lot of snacks <laughs> I love it <laughs> that entertains him and keeps him quiet so. <laughs> so while all this is happening how do you find the time and energy to have your own company So I started out mostly working at night. Like I would always just work nights and nap times with my daughter. And as we had another child and another child, I've kind of realized to like 
do time blocking. Okay. It's my best way that I can handle it all. I try to wake up early. My husband will call me out on it. I just did an interview a couple weeks ago and I said, I wake up at 530 a.m. every morning. He's like, not every morning. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, but I try to. <laughs> he's doing his job, though, keeping you in line. Yeah, he's like, you do not. Like, okay, yeah. let's be honest here. So the crazy thing about your company is it's, you know, you don't just have an Instagram or you don't just have a service. You actually, you physically make these bags that people are buying. I love the handmade part of it because I think it makes it really special and like it's such a fun gift to give somebody when you have something unique. So right now it's hard to keep up with orders. It's like I'm always sewing at night to try to just keep things stocked. And so I think I am going to move into like getting some bags manufactured eventually, probably in the next year, and then keeping a handmade section of it to keep like the special items. Have you ever thought of having anyone else kind of join you and help you in making the bags? I feel like it'd be hard for me to find somebody because you have to have like a big industrial leather machine and finding somebody that has that is kind of tough. So I think going like a manufacturer route would be easier, but I'm definitely looking into my options right now for it because just recently I haven't been able to keep up with stocking That's a lot a of the That's a good problem. Bags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did this start? When did you decide I'm going to make a purse? It's been about nine and a half wow. years. Yeah. When my daughter was a baby, she was around one and I was I was laid off around that time and I was working for my stepdad's company actually who does trucking logistics and I was just after laid off I wanted just anything so I was doing some accounting for him and some sales and just realized this isn't really what I want to do I want to be home with her teaching wasn't really the route that I thought it would be and so I actually my grandma who the company is named after Lana she has been sending me all these pictures of little purses that she was finding at craft shows like tote bags and she was like I know you so can you do this for (gasps) me yeah. No way. And so I started doing it. That's why I named the company after her and my daughter. Ray is my daughter's middle name. And so I started that. And my then my mom wanted one. My dad wanted to buy some for his sisters. Oh. And it kind of just like grew into this thing that I didn't plan at first. But I loved it. That's like It's crazy how like you didn't grow up thinking, oh, I love handbags and I want to make handbags. It was just because yeah. <laughs> you could do it and your grandma told you to. I mean, if you think about all the things our grandparents told us to do, we all could have actually followed a dream or a passion of some sort and done something but it's it's crazy what you've made of just the thought of what she said but where did the sewing skills come from because you obviously had those I'm very like much of the creative type like when I was younger I would get bored very easily and and always want to be crafting so my mom and my grandma actually would set me up with little craft projects all the time when I said I was bored. And so they both got me on to like hand sewing. My mom used to, when we were little, she used to make all our dresses for us. She just loved it. And I remember like sitting in the room next door and hearing the sewing machine going uh-huh. after we would go to bed and just dying to like learn it and help her with it. So it was always kind of around and she would always try to teach me little projects. She kept me home from school one day. I was sick and bored as usual. And we made like a purse out of jeans. Oh, like wow. The yeah, butt, the legs those. Off yeah. And it's like the butt. Yeah, very 80s <laughs> or 90s, I guess. But yeah, I was always doing little projects with her. So I knew how to by the time I was an adult. I just didn't really 
know the technical skills mm-hmm. and from that i just youtube everything i was gonna basically. ask because the bags that you make they are very different from one another it's not like you just have one style you've got backpacks you've got uh handbags clutches like all kinds of styles so how did you learn how to make each bag I've learned just little by little as I go because I didn't ever go to like fashion school. I wish I would have. That was kind of a route that I thought about taking wow. when I was younger and I taught instead. But but now um, you can homeschool. I, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that helped me with that. <laughs> Everything leads you to somewhere. I basically will get inspiration from what I see and I will like deconstruct it in my mind and try to figure out how to do wow. it, which is fun. Like that's why I love making bags. It's like it's kind of a puzzle for each one you see the finished product and you have to go backwards to figure out like what to do first to make the next step work. And I YouTube a lot of things, blogs. Luckily people put so many good sewing tutorials online. And for every one that I see, I have to usually something new that I do. I have to look up like a new process. There's not just like, okay, this is how you make a backpack. Like there's not like one template you can kind of just follow. You kind of look at different things based off of what you want and you kind of put them all together? Yeah, basically, I my backpacks and bags are really similar right now. The ones that I have in that I'm doing lately, they are basically a square like tote pattern. And then I have to figure out how to make the straps work for backpacks versus a tote. But when I see a purse that gives me inspiration, like I was doing fanny packs for a while, it's kind of like a learning process for the first day of trying to figure out how to deconstruct it in my head and, and do each step. And there's so many different ways it will work. There's not like a one way fits all for bag making. So it's fun. How is Lana Ray handmade different now than when you started 10 years ago? What were you making the same kind of bags? No, it's so different. When I first started, I was using pretty much thin cotton, like quilting fabric oh, wow. because I had this little hundred dollar machine that I got from Walmart and that was what it could sew. (laughs) So I was just using like the thin quilting fabric and making like little tote bags. I used to take custom requests on Etsy. And so a lot of my products have come of people messaging me and saying, can you make this with this fabric? And as I got into the thicker fabric, I was like, this sewing machine is not going to cut it anymore. And I got this vintage one that is all metal and like the old machines will go through anything, even though they're not industrial. And I started getting into making diaper bags for a long time, but they were with like burlap and thick canvases. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to get into leather. So I bought a leather industrial machine. And now pretty much all my products are leather bags because I just love doing that so much. It's like, I'm looking, I see you have them hanging on a wall behind you. And obviously I've seen them online, which again, just a reminder to go check it out. It's LanaRayHandmade.com and LanaRayHandmade on Instagram and Facebook. But it's like that soft, like not worn. It's not like it's been worn, but it's like that soft leather that like I personally am a huge fan of. So I'm assuming that's kind of easier to work with than like a harder leather. Yeah, I it is. The hard leather is beautiful because you don't really have to line it or anything like that. But I, I love working with the soft leather and it's easier to layer. A lot of my backpacks are color block. They have the black on the bottom mm-hmm. and the brown on the that. top. And so it's probably by the time I get done with it, it's like four or five layers my machine's going through. And if it was the really thick stuff, it would just complicate things mm-hmm. a lot. So, so you had to obviously make an investment in yourself and your company by buying these sewing machines. What, like, 
what is as your take as a small business owner the importance of investing in yourself because I know it's scary for a lot of people like that's your money that's it I mean there's nothing to fall back on at that point so yeah the importance of it and is it something you should do right away in the beginning or do you recommend waiting that's a hard question obviously every company is different every every type of company (laughs) yeah I know you you that's what I was gonna say and for me I started out with custom orders. And so I would like get the money up front and then make the Mm. bag and have to buy the products with that. But for the first, I would say like four or five years, I was putting all the money that I made like back into the company, buying machines, buying leather, buying fabric. I think that's really important. It's like not to really pay yourself first, but to pay the company if you can do it. Obviously not everybody can do that, but I wouldn't be able to do any of the products I'm making now without like the big industrial machine I bought and my company would kind of be stuck back where it was six years ago. So So you've obviously grown over time. It's it's, it's not like you started yesterday. (laughs) What is the timing like for purses? Like how long does it take you to make, I guess, a backpack? And then how long does it take you to make a smaller bag? So right now I do everything ready to ship instead of the custom order. So I'll do big bulk sewing projects where I'm, I make like 10 backpacks at one time. How and long does that, when, 10 backpacks, like how long does that take? I don't track my like hours, oh. but I would say, I know that's so bad. I need to do it because <laughs> it's like all I need about to know. My, yeah. <laughs> I want to know. And I need, it'd be better for my finances to know exactly how long <laughs> it takes me, but about a week and a half okay. to do like a bulk order of one product so eight to ten bags and then that's probably my like tote bags my backpacks the bigger ones and the smaller purses are faster maybe four days to do ten of them but again like it's still kind of a side hustle because I'm with my oh my god it is I mean all all day it is a side hustle for you (laughs) at this point you are homeschooling your kids I mean that is a very important job that's kind of a big deal (laughs) they need to know how to do things so it's a lot so earlier you mentioned time blocking and I know early on you would work at night or you try to wake up early do you have an actual schedule on what you do or it's whenever you get time? It's kind of a mixture of both. I try to start with a schedule because if I don't, I get really distracted easily throughout the day. And I I do things that I feel like are important and right. at the end of the day, they're not. Or like just, oh, I see something and that needs to get done right now. And it's yeah, not yeah. And then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I didn't do the thing that I actually had to do today. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have a schedule with our school, like eight to 12 is basically their time. I don't really work during that time. So I try to work before that. And then we have lunch and the afternoons, they're set up with like independent activities. Of course, there's the baby. So I try to do like work on my computer during that time, um, marketing and accounting stuff. And then when my husband gets home around three, that's when I usually am doing like my sewing okay. and I still work at night a lot. So I have like uh, blocks of time that I set aside for certain things. And then sometimes they get broken because I have to get out a specific order that's taking longer than whatever. But yeah, I, I pretty much have like a set schedule at this point for myself. Up until this point, you have been selling your products on Etsy, but you yes. literally just launched your website, com, But it's crazy to me that you spent this whole time selling on Etsy because I know that they take a cut of what you make, correct? 
Yeah, they do. They take a percentage of your money. They use it. They also take some when you list it before you even sell, which is just a small amount. The most of it comes out after you sell a product. But in the end, they, they take quite a bit. Yeah. And most of my customers I've seen now are coming from my Instagram or Facebook or pop-ups that I do, word of mouth. And it's not really coming from Etsy's marketing anymore. So I just felt like it was time to break away from that yeah. and 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 not be paying them anymore. Of course. And it was scary. It took me a long time just because they do have good marketing. And I was with them for so long. I, I felt like a lot of my customers were coming from their their website and not from me. But yeah, it's definitely been a, a scary leap, but it's it was time. <laughs> so then tell me about your social media. How have you grown your following and how have you converted those people into actual customers opposed to just people who like your pretty pictures? Because they're great. <laughs> well, that's a definitely still a work in progress for me. I just over the last six months, I've been trying to really focus on it and get to know my followers. And I don't have a large group of followers on my Instagram, but I feel like the ones who are there we really know each other and I, I've connected with them. And when I launch a product, I try to take them through like every process of me making it. That is so smart. And it's so like, I've talked about this with a few people being a consumer, knowing how something is made and getting to see the behind the scenes makes you feel way more attached to something and more likely yeah. to, to buy it. So you are onto something with that. So keep doing that. Thank you. Yeah. I know for me, like I, everything is so impersonable these days. Mm -hmm. I'd rather buy from someone when I know the company and the people behind it and how it's made. And so yeah, over the last six months, I've just spent a lot more time like doing the real live videos and showing everybody how it's made and having conversations with my customers. And I think now when I launch a product, they're actually like excited about sure. it and it goes really well. So that's what social media has brought to my company is just like the personal effect of your marketing and, and getting to know your customers. It's important to have an actual face to a brand and a real human behind it because we're more yeah. likely to support that. What yeah. when you have on your actual feed, the pictures on there, because I know that you're in a lot of them. At first, I wasn't yeah. sure. And then I saw you on FaceTime. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it is her. Me. It's great, though. What yeah. is your do you have a plan for content when posting? Or do you just like, oh, got to post something today? What how does that work for you? I have a plan for like what I want to set out each week with my content. I, I want to do a certain amount of product posts, a certain amount of like lifestyle hmm. with my purses, not just lifestyle, and then promotion like once a week or so. And I've tried to like write it down and schedule it out. But when I do that, it doesn't really feel as personable. Yeah. You know, it feels more like I'm trying to make it happen. So basically, every week, I have an app that schedules it and I'll line them all up. And then if I feel like throwing something in there, I usually end up doing that. <laughs> Why the not? Too. There's no one to tell you you can't. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I end up adding a lot to it. I don't plan my stories out. I just kind of show what I'm doing every day with those. That's cool. That is really cool. Mm -hmm. What was this website building process like? Did you build it yourself? Did you hire someone? And how long did that take? That's been hard for me. And a, a major reason that it took me so long to get off Etsy, I like doing things myself at first, at least to try to learn it. I ended up going with Shopify and using a template to create it, which was pretty easy, actually. Mm -hmm. It'll just be a matter of if I can keep it up or not, because keeping up inventory and then trying to figure out the Google Analytics and all of that is not my specialty. So 
I'll probably end up sourcing it out a little bit more, but I did build it myself and it wasn't too hard to do that. But the upkeep of it, I'm not sure about yet. If that's going to be tough for me. I will tell you that anyone who's been on this podcast, they'll all, all they do is rave about Shopify. Anyone who uses yeah. Shopify, they, I mean, I'm telling, and I've said this all over and over again, Shopify should really sponsor this podcast Yeah, because pe- sure. like, it's crazy. Everyone raves about it and they're like, I couldn't have my business if it weren't for Shopify. So I think that eventually you'll, you'll kind of convert to that once you're, you know, it's as new for you, but you know, it having is. it on yeah. your phone and the alerts and everything and they from what I understand they make it super easy so I think yeah I want to like talk to you in like two months to see what how you're feeling yeah, yeah. I it, I feel like it will be and already I can see that it's so much better for the consumer than Etsy because it's so much more organized and they can see the collections and really get a feel for the product you can add a lot more um, pictures and videos mm-hmm. and cool things where Etsy you're just basically looking at a picture and a description right. and it's not very user-friendly so or customizable that's what I really. love. yeah 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 exactly I can't you can't really have your branding on it show on Etsy at all no. it's just the product <laughs> so now that you just launched the website and completed this goal what is the next goal for Lana Ray Handmade my next goal is to get into some more boutiques around us. I, I've done a lot in the past, but that was back mostly when I was making diaper bags. And now that I'm kind of out of that, I found an, I've I'm kind of moved into a different market with the leather mm-hmm. items. And this year, my main goal is to get into more boutiques and bigger stores. Eventually, I was telling you before, my yeah. dream goal would be like Nordstrom's or Anthropology. Well, and like, <laughs> to me, your products belong in those stores. And like when I told you when we first before we started recording the podcast, I said the products you make look like something I would see in Nordstrom, or I would see in Anthropology. And it's crazy, because your prices are way more affordable than if it were in <laughs> Anthropology. No offense to them. But I mean, it's, it's crazy. Well, one thing we've learned on this podcast is to put something out there. The guest I had on about two weeks ago, her goal a year ago was to get on this podcast with me. And I didn't know yeah. she existed and she was on the podcast. So keep saying it and keep putting it out oh, there because so it'll great. happen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love talking about how people have come into my life and you and I before today didn't know each other other than a few emails back and forth. It's because of your sister who I also don't yeah. even know and have never had contact with from what I know. So explain that because I think this is the coolest. Yeah. So my sister grew up in California, but went to school in New Hampshire. And when she moved out there, she started listening to your morning show. Or the show I, I was maybe- on. No, I wish it was my morning show. So, oh, yeah. The show <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're fine. <laughs> I need to clarify so that Elvis's listeners aren't like, excuse me, it wasn't Carla Marie's show. I was behind the scenes. But no, <laughs> it, it was. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. She it. loves him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that was maybe eight years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And since then, she's been a loyal listener of everything you've done. Like she still listens to Elvis Duran, I mm-hmm. think, too. And then she's followed to your Seattle morning show. And she is obsessed with this podcast, The Side Hustlers. And Mm -hmm. she drives around a lot for sales. And she was telling me that I would be the perfect candidate for it. And it would be like her dream for me to be on it. (laughs) And so I was like, well, I'm going to shoot her an email and see what happens. And yeah, she and it works. Here we are. (laughs) No, when I saw your email, and you said my sister is a listener of your podcast. I'm like, that's super cool that your sister, it's got to be cool for you that your sister was like, oh my God, you, you deserve this. This should be you telling your story. So that's gotta be super cool to have like your family supporting you through all of this. And 
It's got to be awesome. Yeah, they're my biggest support. I Like I said, when I first started sewing bags, it was all of them ordering. And they still are probably my biggest customers. <laughs> like every time I put something new out there, they have to have it. So That's amazing. I love it. But yeah, that was really awesome of her. And I think like this podcast has got her and her husband. They both have their day jobs. But I think they're also kind of thinking like, hmm, what Uh-oh. can we do on this side? They have nothing yet. But I think like it's got their head kind of going in that direction is really neat that's really cool oh my god yeah well let's get her on the podcast eventually (laughs) your husband also owns his own business he is partial owner he's with his parents he's with his parents business and they're actually going into retirement soon Uh oh. so he's kind of like running things right now and yeah we're both working in that direction which is nice because it kind of gives us a flexible schedule for for me. Like he can get home early and, and help with the kids yeah. and I can work in the afternoons where most people wouldn't be coming home till like six or seven. Mm-hmm. We have a lot to talk about with like both of our companies. Yeah. <laughs> His is much bigger than mine, but yeah. It's, it's still, it's, it's, it's cool to have that you each have something and then you can kind of, I'm sure toss around ideas and different things for each other. It's it's really cool. Yeah. And he went to business school. So he helps ah. me a lot. Like he was he went to business school and, and did marketing and worked for a lot of different companies before going into this. And so he really helps with the business side of things because I'm definitely more the creative type and like don't know a lot of that. No, I just so want to make him, bags. I'd be lost. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, I, would be. I just want to sew things and like throw them up there and people will buy them. <laughs> yeah, and taxes, that's fine, whatever. No, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I totally get it. Did you think that you would be owning your own company one day? I didn't at that point. When I was little, I kind of always thought that that's how it worked because my parents, <laughs> it's so right? funny, like my parents owned their own company. They ended up getting divorced, but then my mom started her own business and my dad kept running his business. And so I saw them, my husband's parents had their own business and I was like, that's what people do. But when I went to school, I realized that's definitely not what everyone (laughs) is doing. So no, when I went to school, I thought for sure I would be a teacher, but always in the back of my head, I think I had that like entrepreneurial spirit from them. And just seeing that that's possible helped a lot. Well, you proved it. You did it. (laughs) Thank you. And when we were first emailing, you told me something that, you know, it's not something people normally just send out in an email, but you like telling people about what you and your family went through when you you actually lost a baby. So that is it's even like hard to say when you're talking to someone and yeah when you sent that to me I was like it's incredible actually that you tie this into the way you live every day and your business and when you sent that I was like that's just so it is inspiring and I, I kind of want you to talk a little bit about that for anyone who can relate or even not relate and just kind of understand what you went through yeah I'd love to so in 2012 we lost our daughter um at birth I was 28 weeks and she had a genetic disorder. We knew she had a heart malfunction, but we didn't know that um, what she had, it was trisomy 18 actually, that she wouldn't be able to live with it. And so she passed away shortly after birth. And it was definitely a shock for us and the for sure the hardest thing that we've ever been through um, and still is. Yeah. But we tried to both make it change us in the best way possible. So uh, we both at the time got into like marathon running after and we started running marathons to kind of get through our grieving and our stress and looked at it as an opportunity to keep our bodies as healthy as possible because we're so lucky to have healthy bodies and to make every day as good as it can be and be grateful for what we have. And it's 
hard at times to get there because you're just so sad and you want to think about your mind tends to to wonder to like why did this happen how do I get through this but we try to try to kind of push ourselves more her name was Parker and um, we created like this kind of mantra for our lives that we say push it for Parker and so like when we're running or business and our kids everything in life we kind of try to like push ourselves to level up a little bit and and make the best possible out That's of it. That's incredible. Like you said, with your business, I'm sure it's there are days where it's got to be crazy for you, like so crazy yeah. <laughs> doing all the things you're doing. And you, to have that in the back of your mind has got to be something that is super motivational for you. Yeah, it is definitely uh, with everything we do. And you asked before if I was comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that's hard. And like, you don't hear a lot of people talk about more now these yeah. days. I think people are starting to feel more comfortable but I like to talk about it whenever possible because it's a very lonely feeling when you first go through it. And to, to know that other people are dealing with the same problems and, and the grieving and the PTSD from it has comforted me so much that I kind of would love to be like an example of how to get through it or talk to anybody about how to get through it. That's incredible. And it's you're so right with... I, for the longest time, just didn't know how normal this was, how normal it was for people to have miscarriages or to lose babies early on. And then I would see women start sharing it. And I was like, is this happening more often? I was like, no, actually, women are just sharing it when they were scared in the past. Like it meant that you did something wrong, but it's not that. And it is very common. So you are brave for sharing it. I wish you didn't have to be quote unquote brave. I wish more women just did share it. Normal. Right. It's incredible. And think about all the women you've probably helped that you don't even know that you've probably helped by just sharing your story. So I appreciate you doing it on this podcast because I know there are a lot of women who listen. Thank you. Yeah, I I hope so. I know a lot of reading other women's stories has helped me a lot and Mm -hmm. talking to other women that have been through things like this has helped me a lot. Even just the fact that ours was kind of traumatic the way we lost her because it was unexpected Mm -hmm. and it was at birth. And I didn't know at the time that there would be like PTSD with it, anxiety afterwards and, and moments hit me that all of a sudden I didn't recognize I would be feeling so emotional so many years later about it. And recently I've seen a lot of other women post similar stories and just knowing that that's normal and it's something that, you know, normal to, to grief and something that is possible to work through has helped me a lot. Well, I appreciate you telling that on here. And I love that you've been able to put it into your business, into Lana Ray handmade. And it's incredible what you are doing for her. So thank you. Thank you. Thank okay, you well, so much. I want people to go support Lana Ray like right now. <laughs> so go to LanaRayHandmade.com. Again, it's L-A-N-A-R-A-E Handmade.com. I'm actually going to put a link right in the description of this podcast. So go click that so you can support Roxy and the whole fam. And thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. And thank your sister thank you for so me. Thank you so much. I will. <laughs> thank you. You can support Roxy. Go to LanaRayHandmade.com. I put the link for you in the description of this podcast so you can check it out. I've been doing that for a lot of the recent guests. So you can go support your favorite side hustlers. Appreciate that. And don't forget, come hang out on February 22nd, 4 p.m. Seattle. It's the basement of Stumptown Coffee. I am doing a live podcast with Laura Burkhart. Get to hang out, do a Q&A, and we'll get to chat afterwards as well. 4 p.m. February 22nd. I will see you there, but the details are on my Instagram. It's at the Carla Marie. And until next week, keep hustling.
It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.